Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're good, mate, yeah? Yeah, yeah, go for it. We're rolling. We're rolling. Okay, so a big welcome to the show today to Benjamin Bloom from the Benjamin Bloom Football Channel. Um, a big request from a lot of fans to get you on the show, mate. One of the very few, as we were talking off here, outsiders <laughs> to be welcomed with open arms. I've broken the broken the Millwall code. I think I think what you have to do is you have to spend a certain amount of time in those toilets where loads of people are hiding, having a cigarette. Yeah, and it, it, that then passes you into the into the Millwall family. But no, very happy to be here and very flattered that you've had requests to have me on. Yes, mate. Well, we we, we, we spoke to each other previously. We never actually got round to doing doing this, but um. At that point, yours was solely an Ipswich sort of channel, as you're an Ipswich fan. We'll get into that for those who may not know later on. Shouldn't take long. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> got in early, sorry. Um, and then um, you sort of, you sort of, um, with Ipswich going down, you sort of distracted the channel away and, and gone for an all-in championship channel, mate. You're at, honestly, you're absolutely flying. All credits here because you're you're catching me up on subscribers. I think you're going to pass me soon, which I'm not sure if I'm too happy about. All I can think of is, you know, when you said he's gone in early, I'm thinking, you know, Vinnie Jones on Steve McMahon in the cup final. <laughs> he, he knew he wasn't going to get the red card if he smashed him early in the first <laughs> minute. That's, that's all I think of. Now, we were uh, obviously, um, without without retelling the story in, in too much detail, we were doing the Blue Monday podcast for Ipswich and then we wanted to, you know, have some YouTube content. We, we, we asked someone else to do it and he, he said he'd do it and then didn't want to do it in the at the last minute. And we got to this pre-season friendly um, against Charlton. And I guess this was like 15, 16. Um, and Ipswich lost the friendly 6-1. So I come up to this friendly and think, well, look, I'd better do the YouTube thing. There's no one else is going to do it. And of course, as you know from YouTube, there's nothing like a 6-1 defeat without many of the fans being there because it was a friendly for people to engage in the video. So I made this video and yeah, it was initially um, just Ipswich and then just very lucky after that, I we got to Christmas one year and um, I was working in education. So I thought, um, I've got a bit of time. I went to see Wolves play at Sheffield Wednesday and this was when Wolves had Nuno, you remember that team? Mm. Far, you know, complete cheat code, had 
three Champions League players in their team in the in the Championship got 99 points. So, so their fans were high on life. And I went to one of their game and Ruben Neves smashed one in from 25 yards. So that got so I've been really lucky that when I've experimented with branching out or whatever, something mm. something has happened in the game that's meant oh okay we we can push on and do it. So now yeah, like you said. Um, COVID has ridded me of my job. So I'm having a bash at this full time. So if anyone is um, new to me, please get the plug in early. Uh, please hit subscribe and we cover the, cover the championship. And um, hopefully when the doors open, we'll be down at down at Millwall, you know, three or four times, hopefully more um, next season. Yeah, mate, honestly, I've got to say, I did say to your fair, how well you've done, but like your your knowledge of the championship and every team is just yeah, absolutely astounds me. I I said to you as well, and I've always been honest about this. You said, "Can I name three players from each team in the championship?" Probably not. <laughs> now I know Millwall back to front and inside out, but your your knowledge of, of football is, is is a little bit frightening at times. I'm like, how does he know so much? This guy. Honestly, I'm I'm not any kind of savant. What it is is <laughs> once you start doing the league as a whole. It's actually the YouTube comments. You you literally get people telling you everything, and you know you do a live stream and you do a Q and A. And um, what I get is the equivalent of someone with your knowledge of Millwall from I don't know Bristol City talking to me about Bristol City. And hopefully, I'm just in the right place to absorb all of it. And with Ipswich being relegated down to League One, it was either go and cover them, you know, at Shrewsbury or AFC Wimbledon or whatever, or keep doing the championship. So, yeah, it's, um, I don't profess to be any kind of fountain of knowledge or whatever, but the channel is has now become like a, a, a meeting point for nerds of um, championship, <laughs> championship knowledge. So I literally just try and um, drink as much of it in. And what I will say, the great thing about doing this is for example 2017-18 you're having a great second half of the season under Neil Harris so I go oh I'll, I'll have some of that what's going on what's going on at Millwall here you know go down to a few games and of course your fans they're high on life they're enjoying it you make the videos you chat to people and you can you know I was there for Sheffield United I was there for you know Leeds last year or whatever you can position yourself for all of the big stories and enjoy mm. vicariously. If you're an Ipswich fan where nothing good ever happens, <laughs> you can enjoy vicariously, you know, Millwall 17-18 and that run to yeah. near near the playoffs. So it's great. But there is a there is a small rumour going around. You've got a soft spot for Millwall. That's what I keep hearing. He's got a soft spot for Millwall. He knows his football. Get him on. Have you got a soft spot for me? <laughs> of course I have. Yeah. I mean, I don't get how you, and this is not me pandering because I'm on the channel. I don't get how you can go to Millwall and not understand what a unique club it is. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You, you've got your eyes shut. If you, I mean, look, I'm lucky because I go in the homestand. I go and sit in the kitchener um, and sit above halfway I, I get it if you go in the away stand and you get funneled in through the train around the back, you might not understand it. But I just I just don't get how when there's so many sanitised, boring football experiences, how you wouldn't enjoy going to Millwall. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a throwback. It's a bit intimidating. It's a bit loud. You've got 
like the most unique, the meal chant. You just don't hear that anywhere else. And you've got this working class, but brutally honest fan base who, if they see a player put a shift in, applaud. If they see a player try and do a Cruyff turn inside their own box, they say, what the hell are you doing? Do you know what I mean? So yeah. you've got all of those things together. So I, as a neutral, I don't understand why with so many dull places you can go and watch football, people wouldn't enjoy going in, doing the Millwall experience. So yeah, of course I've got a soft spot. It's a really unique, uh, who else, I'll ask you, who else is like Millwall? Look, no one, mate. No one comes no one, to us, exactly. No, definitely not. It is definitely um, unique, and to, to see that you've grasped that and you've taken on board and you're enjoying it, mate, it's brilliant. So, as I say, it's always... It's the most blindingly obvious thing in the world. I mean, uh, Millwall fans wouldn't thank me for saying it, but there's a similar thing about sort of Pompey, you know, about Leeds, yeah, you know, these, these fan bases where they're... And you, you guys would admit it, they're just mental. Do you know what I mean? They're just in. They're so honed in on their club, and you know, then the the passion and the um, you, you know, the intensity. That's the word, isn't it? Yeah. That's what you get from Millwall. Intensity. We've got a soft spot for the uh, for the fans and the, and the team. Sorry, the club. What about the team? Let's talk about. Well, first of all, let's talk about the teams that have gone up because a lot of people are now saying, you know, this is this season, next season coming. 2020-21 will be one of the weakest seasons in the championship for a long time and a big opportunity for for us to push on yeah um i mean that's that's a theory that could um turn out to be true um let's just say it right now the championship is never easy and never pans out how anybody thinks it's going to do you you think um oh it's going to open out this way um Obviously, you've lost two parachute teams, which is um, and let's let's be honest. When we're talking about Millwall, and please nobody get upset, um, we're talking about in terms of turnover, a club that is well up against it. When you consider that three teams come down with forty-five million quid parachute payments, yeah, and there's the potential that the other ones are left over in the league. So, okay, you've lost. Fulham and West Brom, who were on parachute payments, they're gone. And obviously, you've lost Leeds with a manager who's just way too good for the league. So that makes things that makes things easier, doesn't it? What? So then you have a look and you think, what's coming down? And you look at Norwich and you think, you know, eek, really. Because if what I always say, Dan, is any team that comes down with a year one parachute payment that doesn't make absurdly stupid operational decisions should really be finishing in the top six, yeah? Yeah. But a lot of them do, and, you know, that's yeah. good That's good for clubs like Millwall who don't have the parachute payments. So Norwich I would be worried about, because unless they do something stupid like fire their manager, they should be very high up. Bournemouth, well, you don't know. Jason Tindall's a rookie, and, um, you know, you hear stories about lots of back payments on transfers need to be paid, and but then you look... They've already raised 60 million quid from selling Ake and Ramsdale yesterday. Yeah. But they've got a rookie manager. Watford, well, Watford are kind of masters of the championship in the same way Norwich are, yeah. aren't they? Exactly, exactly, mate. Exactly what I was going to say. They're, they're two teams that just seem to be too good for the champ, not good enough for the Prem, and just annoying when they're around because they... You could not... Put, 
You could not have put that any better. Yeah, they're they're championship giants and Premier League minnows, aren't they, Watford? <laughs> they are, though, aren't they? They no, exactly right. always manage to get the parachute payments and get out. And, you know, even like with, with Norwich, obviously the Nipswich fan, it's galling. But just when you thought they'd messed it up and run dry, they had that mad season in 18-19 and got up. So... Watford, um, I've done my due diligence on the manager. He's he's kicked he's kicked ass in Greece and in Israel. So I don't know anything about those leagues, but the win percentage is massively high. So on paper, he's a good manager. But Dan is the championship, you know. So and it depends who goes out. Um, so you'd look at those. What I would say is your year two parachute teams. Well, Huddersfield don't have an advantage. Because all of that money's getting swamped up uh, to pay off the old owners. Cardiff, well, you'd know they've got a pretty decent manager, and I suspect they'll be they'll be knocking for certain members of your playing staff. Um, I'm sure he'll he'll give it a cheeky go. Whether whether he's successful or not um, is a different matter. Then you've got Swansea, who are year three. Well, they're not going to spend a load of money, but. They, they tend to do a good job recruiting. Already Corey Smith, that's a good signing for free and Freddie Woodman back on loan. Um, and then Stoke. Well, Stoke could do anything. Stoke, Stoke could finish in the top two or the bottom two because yeah. they've been such a... When I was talking about teams that come down with a big advantage and then are just a basket case, well, that's been Stoke for the last two seasons. So, yes, it could be easy if the Bournemouth rookie manager doesn't succeed, the Watford rookie manager doesn't succeed... Huddersfield and Swansea don't spend. Harris doesn't do it at Cardiff. And Stoke is still a basket case. And then if you're Millwall, if you're Bristol City or one of those, Preston, one of those teams who's waiting to strike, you could finish in the playoffs. So I don't know. That, that What you said could be exactly right. This could be easy. When you're looking for big clubs... You wouldn't say Norwich, Bournemouth or Watford are big clubs, but you said it really well. They always get out of the championship, Watford and Norwich particularly, don't they? So, OK, it's not Leeds or Aston Villa or Nottingham Forest or Sheffield Wednesday who you'd say, oh, big club. In the end, they'll find their way out of the championship somehow. So um, I don't know what your view would be on that, but I can see an argument for and an argument against. Yeah, well, mate, listen, as I said, you're, you're, I'm sitting here just mind-blown by your knowledge of the parachute. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. So, um, fair play to you for that. I just think, you know, and I'd say I, you might be able to prove me wrong or correct me, but Watford are a team that are going to come down and might go about their business quietly. I don't think that they'll probably lose. I think they'll probably keep, you know, most of their squad together. I don't think they'll lose a lot of players where, obviously, as you've already said, I know Bournemouth have got the money in. They've already lost two of their best players, and it's... It's all good having the dough in the bank, but you could end up obviously imploding, like you said, and end up being a hole, for example, who got relocated. You know what I mean? So Wigan nearly gone out of business. Um, so, yeah, I think personally that Watford are going to be there or thereabouts. Um, you know, the comment of it could be an easy season, that wasn't my comment. And uh, as, no, there is no easy games in the championship. Yeah, but I yeah, that could be right. I do the videos on a Saturday. I, came, I come home and I, I get all the fan cams out and I edit it. And I, and I make sure that I watch the the EFL show. I don't even watch the I don't even watch the, the uh, match of the day. I, I'm not interested in the Premier League, <laughs> honestly. I'm not. There's enough carnage, and I, I think that last day of the season. It's like if you're a Championship fan, that last day of the season where you had um, West Brom going against QPR, Brentford going against Barnsley, 
Um, and then you had the teams playing it out at the bottom. And we're watching along, knowing that it's going to be a complete train wreck of massive entertainment. And then all these Premier League fans are going, oh, Championship's pretty entertaining, isn't it? And we're like, yeah, we know. It's like this, it's like this every week, lads. <laughs> you know, yeah. come, come, come and watch. But listen, that the, whoever made that call, it could be easy. They could be right. I mean, who would have thought the year that Norwich, Sheffield United, and Villa went up, that Norwich and Sheffield United would have been the top two? That for them to get the top two involved um, West Brom not getting promoted with. Dwight Gale, Jay Rodriguez and Harvey Barnes as their front three for most of the season. It involved a Leeds implosion, Stoke completely spewing all their parachute payments and Swansea not making it. So no one would have had Norwich and Sheffield United first and second. And if you are Millwall and you, you know, you're, you're not moneyed in that way, that's what you're... That's what you're waiting for. You want to be the Norwich or the Sheffield United to go, right, everyone's messing this up. Here we go. <laughs> Do you think we've honestly got a chance, Millwall, of being there or thereabouts next year? Um, yes, but it's so hard because it, what it relies on is Millwall making really good operational decisions, which, let's be honest, they normally do. Yeah. Millwall doing good recruitment, which they normally do. Millwall's key players staying fit all season. Well, uh, that's, that's in the lap of the gods, isn't it? And then it requires other teams to not perform as they should do. And that's no knock on Millwall, but Millwall don't have 45 million quid coming in as broadcast money that they can go and, I don't know. Look, someone's probably going to go and get Rian Brewster on loan, who was at Swansea, and pay him 1.5 million quid for the year. Millwall can't do that. Do you know what I mean? 1.5 million is our current record signing. That's what we paid in the transfer for Ryan Leonard. Exactly. And you're exactly right, Dan. And this is where I get really cross with fans of teams that have got parachute money, where I say to them, where, uh, for example, I'm not having a pop at Norwich, where Norwich say, oh, Jordan Rhodes was a great signing for Norwich. So they take him on loan for a whacking great fee. He plays back up to Timu Puki and um, comes on as a sub every now and then. And they say, what a great signing that is. And I say, you do realise, probably over the cost of the season, that was more than Millwall's, Barnsley's, um, pick, pick, pick a team. Uh, Charlton have been in the Premier League. Luton's. Um, do you know what I mean? That's more than their transfer record. And you're, and you're directly competing against those teams in that league. And I don't want to make this a whole thing just about the financial side, but that's what um, Millwall are up against. So, yes, they can do it. And look, they're finished eighth. And what was the 17-18 finish? Was it eighth as well? 17-18 was eighth as well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have to come from a position of saying straight away, that's outstanding. What's what's the average attendance at Millwall? I'd say 14,000, something like that, I think. That's outstanding. On an average attendance of 14,000 with no parachute money and a transfer record of 1.5 million. That's outstanding. So that's what Millwall fans need to understand. That, um, And I'm sure they do. And they know their club better than I do. Mm. But they're emotionally invested. And I'm not. So Mate, I can... This is, you know, this is exactly why I've had you on the channel today. Because I'll give my opinion. Sometimes, you know, I've been guilty of especially full-time reactions of letting my heart rule my head. And then what you'll get is as well. And listen, I love all the boys that do work for me on the channel. But sometimes we all, in a group chat, we all talk. And then we all get on each other's ideas and sort of 
morph into one sometimes. So it's very think, to get yeah. outsider's perspective, you know. Yeah, and um, let's let's be honest. The, the thing that makes your channel good is the emotion, though, is getting the emotion of fans. I come from a more sober, analytical um, point of view. Um, but what that that does allow me to see the wood for the trees sometimes, you know, when I'm talking yeah. to a fan and they say, oh, we should have won that. And I'm like, really? Are you yeah. sure? Do you, no, want me to show true, you, yeah. do you want me to show you some numbers that maybe, maybe uh, disagree? But the point I'm making is that a Millwall fan will look with their heart and say, right, eighth position last year. Can we improve? Because if we improve two places, we're three games away from the from the Premier League in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so that's how they'll look at it. Whereas I'll look at it and say, okay, eighth place. Was that above expectations? Probably. Um, can we improve on it? Possibly. Um, I think... And I mean, if you look at that question in isolation, I think Millwall can improve. You know, manager's only been in there for, um, what, since October last season. Um, there's young players coming through that I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about. Uh, Mitchells and Thompson, if they're, if they're fit. Recruitment looks good already. Troy Parrott and um, getting Woods back is a good deal as well. There's, there's signs that they can improve. But... You have to take into account the first question you said, what is coming into the division this season? Who are our new enemies we have to look at? And you have to, for Millwall to go up, it has to be a perfect storm. That can happen. Happen for Sheffield United and happen for Norwich. Mm. You know. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a perfect perspective of the money. You know, it could be a blessing it, or it could not be, because as we've discussed, clubs just have imploded and just gone double backwards. Seems like Hull, Middlesbrough nearly nearly went again last season. Uh, both clubs, supposedly big clubs, have been in the Premier League for a long time. And Millwall, yes, we don't spend a lot, but we haven't got that option. And and I think that is almost a blessing. And through that through that route, we've we've gone softly, softly, very slowly about our business. And, and with a brilliant chairman in John Berylson, I think it's put us in the position we have. And now we haven't recruited hardly anyone this season. I'm expecting Mason Bennett to rejoin on loan. But other than that, I think you just, you know, very small tweaks. And I think that reigns us in through not having the money, but does us a favour at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, there's there's pretty much three ways to get out of the championship. One is you're, you're too big for it and you just muscle your way out. Aston Villa did that. Yeah. They spent a fortune on wages and they had Jack Grealish, John McGinn and Tammy Abraham. You know, it's the, the same the same as Wolves. You just bully your way out and you're too, you're, you're too good. Another way is to coach your, coach your way out of it, which essentially is what Leeds did. They had a brilliant manager. And Luke Aylin was there when he arrived. Liam Cooper was there when he arrived. Stuart Dallas, he made those players better. And OK, they added a few, but he coached them out. And the third way is to recruit your way out, which is um, to... I mean, Brentford do good recruitment, but they also do good coaching. But you think about someone like Bristol City, where gradually over the years... They're, what what they spend goes up and what they sell goes up and goes up and goes up. And my question I made in my Millwall season review is, do you now undo the purse strings a little bit? Now, I'm not saying start gambling on players, but saying, for example, our transfer record is 1.5 million for Ryan Leonard or whatever Bodvarsson, um, you know, cost. Um, or Stephen Reed a hundred years ago, or you know, whenever it was, do you now start to start to back your recruitment and say, 
Now, don't shoot me for saying this. Say, if I sell Jed Wallace for 12 million quid and I give Gary Rowett 10 million pounds and he signs two players for four million pounds and one player for two million pounds on the assumption those players will either get us promoted or they will increase in value to the point that I can turn that 10 million into 15 million and then turn that. That's what Bristol City and Brentford, etc., are trying to do. Millwall are steadfastly refusing to do that. They're keeping Jake Cooper and they're keeping Jed Wallace, etc. And it might work on the basis that you coach your way out of the league. Do you know what I mean? That you bring in Ryan Woods, you change the pattern of play a little bit. Jed Wallace improves more than anyone thinks he's going to. And all of a sudden, you end up with this really, really good team and, you know, they don't get picked off. So my question to you is, would you be comfortable as a Millwall fan with a big sale? And let's be honest, we're talking about Wallace Cooper or maybe Ben Thompson, if someone's really been watching closely and you know knows that he's a good player in the background. Yeah. Would you be comfortable with a big sale to start up in the ante recruitment-wise? It's a good question. Um, and with with that, <clears throat> sorry, before I get onto that, you're, you're spot on what you said. You know, we've we've held we've held back so far. And in the past, we are notorious for selling our players on a cheap. You know, Tim Cale went for I think it was makes you feel sick to say at one point five million to to Everton. We're known. Player known for folding and when we do buy a player or sell a player usually when we buy a player it's always for an undisclosed fee so we never ever know and I think clubs know we're a selling club so I think they know that we are going to buckle and like you're right what you said we haven't done that this time um, again recruitment if we got the temp I would be comfortable selling Jeb Wallace I'll be comfortable with that um, he's our main man he does blow hot and cold which can happen but make no mistake, he's won us a lot more games than, than, he, than he's cost us. So, And wingers can be a bit in and out, can't they? Um, I would be comfortable, if, if I had to sell one of the three, I'd be comfortable with selling Jeb Wallace for £10 million. I don't think we'd get £10 million for him. I think, again, we're, we're, we're known to be a selling club and, a, and our hand in the past has maybe shown to be weak. So I think, especially in the current climate with the, with the corona, I think, you know, I think we'd be lucky. And I'm not saying it's right. I think you would be lucky to get £5 million for him. Um, for 10 million, I'll take it. Recruitment-wise, Neil Harris to Gary Rowett. Now, I was I think I said it on my live stream last night. Neil Harris had some horrendous signings, but he also had some unbelievable ones. Jake Cooper included for £400,000. Sean Hutchinson in on a free. So I, I wrote down once, Harris's um, good buys to Harris's bad buys, and I think there was like 11 of each. So it's 50-50, and I can understand why the board may have been a little bit, you know, wary of giving him the money because, you know, his track record, I'd say, probably was 50-50 on transfers, in my opinion. Rowett has come into our club and it's different for him other than when he was at Burton to every club he's ever been at because he's not had the money to spend. You know, he bought Ryan Woods for £6.5 million from Brentford and, um, I know, it's a lot of money. When you look at it now that we've got Ryan Woods, although I think he's on, on big wages, it looks like if he has another good season, touch wood, we're going to get him on a free when his contract expires at the end of this season. So Gary Rowett's recruitment, as much as I love Neil Harris as our manager and as, as grateful as I am for what he did for the club on and off the pitch and taking us forward, I can already see that Rowett goes after a better class of player. Um, and again, you know, Rowett's had money to spend at every other club he's managed other than his first job, Burton. So I think that I'm not sure whether he would, he would have took the job if, unless he had guarantees of he's going to get X amount to spend. So I would say yes, I, I would take 10 million for Jeb Wallace. I think... 
he's replace not replaceable, but you know, I'm not his biggest fan, which may sound crazy, and I will get shit for that in the comments, but um, I'll be comfortable with with someone who wasn't maybe as flair, wasn't maybe as pulling worldies out of the bag, but could just cross a ball better and pass a ball better and provide our strikers with more service. So, yeah, I'd, 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 I'd go with that. And then I'd be very interested to see where Gary Rout would spend the money because, again, so far we've got Woods in on loan. I think we're going to get Bennett, Bennett back on a permanent for very cheap, in my opinion. I don't know anything as fact. And Troy Parrott on a loan. So it would be interesting if Gary Rout was given some money to spend. I mean, I know he was interested in Kiefer Moore, but I think he seems more interested in Cardiff than, than coming yeah, to he's New gone. Yeah, he's gone, yeah. Oh, he's gone, is he? Yeah. So, yeah, well, that's that one out of the window then. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I would. I would be interested. A, a question that will lead me on to ask you, if we got the £10 million, who do you think that we, what, which players would be suited to us, would be good for Millwall, and where do you think we need to strengthen? Um... Crikey, that's a difficult question. Uh, the difficulty you start to get now is, here I go politically avoiding the question, is a lot of the desirable free agents are going or gone, haven't they? Um, a brilliant player for Millwall would be Sam Morsey, the Wigan midfielder, who's an absolute um, horrible um, central midfielder to play against. Really, really good. Um, he'd be a really good partner for um, Woods, actually, if Woods was the playmaker and... Uh, Morsi was the insurance. Um, it's, it's tricky to say because you would look at it, um, you don't know what their plan is, do you? You try and, try and look from the outside and figure out their plan. They've mm. gone early on Woods and Parrot, which is smart. You would think if fees were laid down, for example, when I see QPR signing a striker from Livingston yesterday for two million quid, my brain goes, oh, that's great, but Bright Samuel or Eze is going to be leaving now because... Where are they going to pay for that two million quid from? So yeah. if I was seeing fees being paid already for Parrot and Woods, I'd be thinking someone's going out because how are they paying for this if not? Um, it's a tricky one. And I, had, I hadn't really... Um, it, it depends what Rowett's going to do because uh, Rowett's a bit different to Harris, isn't he? In that Harris played that very high-octane 4-4-2 um, direct, um, but could be could be quite open at times. It was... It was quite thrilling to watch when you talk about that 17-18 season. You, you you knew Millwall, whatever happened, we're going to go at whoever, especially at home, we're just going to yeah. just going to go for it. Whereas Rauer, well, he doesn't mind drawing a game. Um, he's he looks at the other team. It's a slower tempo, isn't it? But maybe um, the football is a little bit a um, little bit less kind of crash bang wallop than. Harris's. I thought you were going to say a little bit better. I was going to say that's a, it's a lot better. That's a lot well, better. Uh, standard of play. Look, you say you say better. I say I say who won. Do you know what I mean? So, true, like true. for example, Cardiff played awful, horrible to watch football under uh, Neil Harris. Uh, excuse me, um, Neil Warnock. Yet finished one place above um, in second. Slavisa Jukanovic is Fulham, who played beautiful football and. I just say who finished higher in the league. So, you know, but however, you know, people get very uppity about good football, bad football, etc. I like a good, I like a good mix. I love seeing a Neil Warnock team play a Marcelo Bielsa team. I think that's brilliant. It's like, you know, and sometimes Warnock beats Bielsa. Sometimes, you know, you'd expect more often than not a Bielsa team to beat a Warnock team. But um yeah, in terms of the type of player, um, I think it was quite a, a, a good hire, wasn't it, Rowett? Because it's not 
miles away from Harris. It will suit the Millwall fans because, like we said, they they know what they want and they know what they like. And um, a Rowett team, even if they're pragmatic, they're tough to play against and tough to beat. And I suppose tough is a good word to describe what Millwall fans want their want their team want their team to be, don't they? So. Um, I'd I'd have to have a think. It depends whether he's going to... Because we saw a long time, three at the back, um, wing backs and kind of sort of like a 3-4-3, but that could fold back into a 5-4-1 without the ball under under Rowett. So I suppose you'd be looking at the wing back positions to try and get real specialists in there. Um, Depends whether he's going to play a a number 10, because Ben Thompson could do that already. Um, But look... You always want good players and you always want goal scorers, don't you? So, um, And I think he said something very revealing when he said Troy Parrott, when he signed Troy Parrott, Rowett said, oh, he can play anywhere across a front three, which was a big flag to me to say, look, it's still going to be like a 3-4-3 and it will be Matt Smith or a big lump and then runners runners around him, whether that's Wallace or, or Parrott. So maybe it's not going to be a number 10. But off the top of my head, Sam Morsi from Wigan, um, bearing in mind they're getting absolutely pillaged for the, their players <laughs> as well at the moment. You could get him cheap. The thing is as well, like, we're talking, I'm just looking, I'm thinking, you're right where you're saying, you know, someone goes out, someone comes in, and you, you do, especially with me, also keep my eye on that. And I'm like, we've got Woods back, and I know he's on, I know he's on a lot of, weight, a lot of you know, high wage. We'll probably get Bennett back. So they was already there last season, bringing Parrot in. We haven't actually spent anything. And I'm thinking, well, I'm like that now, thinking when there's going to be a big one coming through the door, there's got to be a big one coming through the door. But again, we're pushed for time due to the COVID-19. The season starts in two weeks. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just feel that fans of non-parachute teams in the championship shouldn't think a good player leaving for a good fee is a bad thing. That's I know it's heartbreaking when, you know, if it's a Jake Cooper and, you know, you've You've built their career up or even like even worse is a Ben Thompson where they've come through or a Billy Mitchell or someone. I just think that uh, to talk about Ipswich for one sec, Ipswich were in the playoffs in the late 90s, year after year. We bought through Kieran Dyer and he was way, way too good for us. And we sold Kieran Dyer and selling Kieran Dyer meant that we signed John McGreal as a centre half, Jermaine Wright from Crew. I can remember all these players, Gary Croft. And then we signed Marcus Stewart, the superstar striker during the season. And if we hadn't have developed and sold that player, we we wouldn't we wouldn't have got promoted. And maybe if we'd have kept him and he'd have got injured, we wouldn't have got promoted either. You know, so sometimes it's not a bad thing if if one goes out, provided Mr. Berylson um, releases the funds and allows, you know, two players who aren't as good to come in. But the sum of those two players might be worth more to you than having Wallace or, you know, whoever. Oh, exactly. And, and so you don't want to tweak things. I think the key to success is how we've been doing it. Very short, very softly, just tweak things very slowly. And obviously you say we need our key players to perform with the core of our side. Let's talk about a few of them. Let's talk, start off with, we'll start in the back line. One you may know well. Man goes by the name of Bartosz Bolkowski. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I said, just in the comments. I said, Benjamin Bloom's coming to show. I said, tell him thanks for Bart. But you get out of yeah. 
Right, look, let, let, obviously it's infuriating as, as an Ipswich fan to see yet another good player leave and do well elsewhere. It's not as simple as Ipswich were really dumb and Millwall took advantage. It's Honestly, it's not that simple. There's a lot of moving parts in how you ended up getting such a good goalkeeper for such a good fee. Um, to, you know, to... To Pracy, the story, um, obviously McCarthy. So Bialkowski was three times Ipswich Player of the Year. Fab fab goalkeeper. Everyone loved him. Lovely bloke. You know, all-round good egg. Um, McCarthy leaves. Paul Hurst comes in. Um, Martin Waghorn gets sold. Dave McGoldrick gets sold. Um, Joe Garner gets sold. Adam Webster gets sold. The one that stayed was Bart. Bart says... Well, I'll go as well then and gets a nice new contract. So Bart's now very highly paid under Paul Hurst, who's one of the worst Ipswich managers has ever been fired after 16 games. Paul Hurst drops Bart 90 minutes before the big local derby against Norwich, which I don't care what anyone says. If you support a team, the local derbies is important. I don't care whether that's Blackpool versus whoever or, you know, Boreham Wood versus Barnet. It's important to you. Millwall, Charlton... Yeah, don't let anyone tell you that's not important. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he yeah. drops him 90 minutes before the game and there's a falling out, et cetera, et cetera. He's then in and out of the team. And Bart, you won't believe this, seeing what he's done at Millwall, had a terrible season in his last season. It was sad. It was really, really sad. The fallout, the in and out of the team. He lost his confidence. He lost his mojo, everything. And of course, he's now the highest paid player at the club. So, couldn't have played it worse, Ipswich. You thought they couldn't have played it worse until you see the deal they do with Millwall. But um, So look, they get relegated. Bart needs to come off the books. He's had a really bad season. He's the highest paid player there. And fair play to Millwall. Did a really, um, a little bit of skullduggery with the medical. We all done know a, that. Done a number on you, didn't we? You did, yeah. But we allowed you to. Um, so the loan deal is done with the ludicrous clause that um, you've got an option to buy that ends one week into the transfer window in January. Not the last day of the transfer window, so which can go and negotiate with other clubs, but one week. So basically, if no one comes in for Bart in, those, in that first week, all the bargaining power goes straight over to Millwall and they can sign him. Bart obviously comes in on loan. He's great. Um, uh, it's under Harris initially and then Rauer and he's not asked. To... The thing with Bart is if you stick a good back line in front of him and you don't ask him to ping the ball 50 yards out or play out from the back, he's a great goalkeeper. And yeah. all I all I say about a keeper, Dan, is save the shots you should save. That's it. 100%, it... mate. I've, I've, I've barked down this tree so many times. Um like the, the, the previous clown up, Jordan Archie, used to infuriate me because I don't care if he headed the ball over the bar from a long-range pass back. I don't care if he made one unbelievable save at Bradford, which pretty much did, did keep us in that. It's the 15, 16 mistakes he made through the season, the bread and butter saves that give me the ump. And Tim Flowers, growing up, I used to, I was, a bit, was a bit of a goalkeeper, and Tim Flowers was my idol. And he come out once and he said, you don't judge a goalkeeper on how many great saves they make, you judge them on how few mistakes they make. And, and Bart, I, I was a little bit apprehensive when he first came because I, I looked at his showreel online and he's, as you know, doing a bit of editing yourself. Like looking at his showreel and a lot of his great saves come from second second um, chance situations where he'd fluffed the first one. And then obviously when you, we played you at the den, Ryan Leonard lobbed him and we beat you 3-0. And I weren't overly convinced and a couple of mates said, no, trust me, he's brilliant. 
he is an out and out shot stopper. I mean, he looks like at times you can see he's not right. I, I, I think you know, with his knees, he, he looks like they got to put a bit of WD forty on him at times and wheel him <laughs> out. Do you know what I mean? But he is an unbelievable shot stopper, and that's all I want my keeper to do. And he knows he doesn't try and do what he can't do. When he did it once, and he. He got the ball took off him against QPR and we lost 2-1. I was but, there. Yeah. I was, <laughs> he just goes, crash, crash. It gets rid of it. But I don't, like you say, unbelievable shot stopper. Absolutely. No, you're, you're totally right. And one thing you'll notice about Bart, if it's going in the corner, he doesn't even dive. He's like, <laughs> no, he's, he's like, he's so no frills. He's like, well, I'm not going to save that. So sometimes people mistake, oh, Bart made a mistake. No, he didn't. <laughs> you know, he just doesn't dive. You, you watch, you watch next season. If someone curls one into the far corner that he's not going to save, if it, he just makes a snap judgment, I've got my angles right, I'm in the right place, goal. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it is, it is. There's nothing I can do about that one. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's a great goalkeeper if you set him up not to... He was set up to fail by, by Paul Hurst. Split centre-backs, play the ball out into central midfield, drop you, you know, drop you 90 minutes before the local derby. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to fall out with all the other... Uh, dressing room leaders there's which you've got so look you can see I'm very annoyed about this um you did the de- you did the deal um it was a, it was stupidity on it which is part to um to have that the um the buy the buying clause happen one week into there but look Millwall were in a strong position no one else came in for Bart Bart didn't want to move up to Blackburn or with you Tony Mowbray or Wigan or whoever because he's got kids in Ipswich you know hour and a half away down to South London to the training ground. Um, you know, it was that Millwall were there at the right place at the right time. He's a great keeper. Just don't mess with him. Get man manage him well. Don't ask him to ping the ball out 50 yards to a wing back. Just stick Jake Cooper and Sean Hutchison in front of him and he will save all the shots that he should save. Yeah, well, mate, he, he uh, was our player of the year. Absolutely brilliant season from him. Of course he was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just to just to throw it up when right at the end there. Um, other players, other key players for me. Well, I mean, as Millwall fans, we've got our own ideas who are who are our key players. Again, last year as an outsider looking in, who do you think's pivotal to our season next season? Well, Probably of course, um, I mentioned the two of them, um, Cooper and Cooper and Hutchinson. And Hutchinson's now, um, you know, he, he'd been linked with Norwich, and you know, better better moneyed teams in the league. He's now raising up and he's had a really good season as well. Cooper, um, look, any six foot, what is he, six five? Six seven. Is he really? He's an absolute giant. Oh my God. So look, any player of that size who's not terrible with their feet is going to make a difference in a football team. It's just simple um, biology, isn't it? So Mm. if you've got that guy who... we used to see it over and again. And I used to tell people, I'd say, right, what's going to happen is Jake Cooper's going to go on his own to the back post. Everyone else will go to the near post. The corner will be floated in. Yeah. And because it's floated and the guy on the back post can't get a run, you cannot win the header. Nice. And I tell, I tell people over again, and he's not going to shoot for goal. He's going to head it back across and someone else is going to score. And you'd be like, this is the most obvious thing in the world. But if you have that player in your team and you have a reasonable set play, you know, that's five to ten goals in a season, mm-hmm. even of people sticking two guys on Cooper and standing on his feet. So absolute lethal weapon in that league. Um, I'd be interested in your thoughts on the on the fullbacks because um, I, I always had the feeling that Murray Wallace was a centre-back playing at fullback and that 
Marlon Romeo. But I, I thought Steve Morrison's comments on Marlon Romeo on TV were were interesting. That he could be better than he actually than he actually is. You, you tell me about the fullbacks. Did he say that? Did he? He said that in um, oh, what game was he doing, Dan? I can't remember. So look, someone fact check me on that one. I don't want to speak out of turn, but yeah, yeah. Um, I happen to find Steve Morrison an intelligent guy who's worth listening to when he's on the when he's on the TV. And having played with him, I thought that was good insight. Well, you've asked me about, would I sell Jeb Wallace? I said yes. <laughs> and then you've asked me about the wing-backs. I completely agree. I love Marlon Romeo. He's been brilliant for the club. He's a young, exciting prospect. He's very, very exciting to watch going forward. Electric. Um, he's defending at times. He's improved under the Rowett. Of course he but, would, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But obviously, yeah, with Rowett being a right-back in his career. But, um, yeah, his final ball, his final ball seems to have got worse. I don't know if it's a confidence thing. He keeps him to cut in lately and trying to shoot on his left foot. I think maybe because he hasn't scored in a while. That's that's weighing on his mind. But he could be better. But again, listen, I'm happy he's at the club. And obviously, when him and Jed are, uh, are clicking down the right-hand side, that's that's our most dangerous area of the pitch to, to attack the other team. So, he could improve. And he's getting to the age now, I might be wrong, I think he's about 24. You know, So, he's been in the first team for, for, for a very long time now. So, um, I could be wrong on that one. 23, 24, but you know he's, he's getting to the age now where if you're not, I don't think if you're not going to improve on your technical ability by that sort of age, then you could be. I don't think it's ever going to happen, sort of thing, you know. But he's a great, he is a great player for me. All the fans love him, but again, it's with him and Jed. If they're on fire, they're unstoppable. But at times, you know, if, if one one isn't working, it sort of eliminates the other one from the game because they're not linking up, they're not overlapping, they're not getting balls in, and the, the crosses in at times from them both are, are not great. Murray Wallace, when he first came to the club as a centre centre back, we we sold that. Well, it wasn't a swap, but we sold Byron Webster to Scunthorpe, and we got then bought Murray Wallace the other way, or vice versa. So everyone assumed that he was obviously Byron Webster's replacement, but I don't think he was because Byron Webster had been been out with a long term injury not long before that. So um, I watched him play against Plymouth um, in the uh, early rounds. I think it's a Carling Cup or whatever it's called, Carabao Cup. And he was awful. Played centre defence. He got turned inside out so many times in one particular uh, movement where they scored. He actually went left, went right and fell over and done like a reverse roly-poly. And I was like, I just buried him on the full time. Like, who is this bloke? Blah, blah, blah. Then he goes to left back. I absolutely love Murray Wallace. I think, <laughs> I think he's great. But again, for, for, all, for our, our attack and we are down our right, but we do concede quite a few from our right. Down our left, we're a completely... The complete opposite. We don't. Murray Wallace is a, a left. His position is centre back, but he plays left back a lot better, in my opinion. But he's playing out of position. He's he's an absolute unit of a man. One of the fittest players in the squad I'm here in. No, no one can compete with him in 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 the running terms and anything like that. But he doesn't. You know, he's not naturally gifted at going forward, so he doesn't. He does struggle to get beyond. So and, Dan, sorry to interrupt. If well, um if a left wing-back was to come in, could um, Rowett not play Wallace at left centre-back with Cooper and Hutchison as a, as a back three? He could, but that scares me, the thought of that. Um, I too don't slow? Think, yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, too slow, uh, too exposed. OK. Um, he does seem to have the hang of when The only time I've ever seen Murray Wallace get absolutely destroyed by a winger is when Preston beat us 3-1 the back end of the 18-19 season. They was 3-0 up after about 20 minutes. And he could not catch this winger. No, nothing really gets past him. He's quite basic. What what he isn't going forward, what he isn't really helped out with in his defences, 
that one, you know, someone playing in front of him, you know, you see we've got three up top on the left sort of side. We've we've struggled to fill that with a player that's pacey, gets down the line. Conor Mahoney came in and then sort of form dipped, but now he's come back good again. So Murray Wallace has never really had someone in front of him long term so he could link up with, you know. But I think, I, I suspect that Gary Rowett will be looking for a more... A more attacking option than Murray Wallace. So he's done nothing wrong, Murray Wallace. He's been very good this season. But I think if we want to improve going forward, I think we need a more attacking option as a wing back there. And it still be brilliant to have a squad player in and around it. Do you know what I mean? But um, there you go. Yeah. And therein lies the answer to why I know so much about the championship because I constantly have conversations like this. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, wing backs. Again, it's, it's Millwall, it's what it is. You know, we're not, we are where we are and we've got the players that we've got and I might knock either of them because I like Marlon Romeo as a player and I like Murray Wallace as a player, but they both got different strengths, different weaknesses and if I could have £10 million and bring back Roberto Carlos out of retirement, I'd happily, yeah. swap, I'd happily swap him for Murray Wallace. But say, for what we paid for Murray Wallace and, you know, Marlon Romeo, we didn't pay anything for. So what we've got out of him in terms of Professionalism and appearances, uh, you know, wise and well. And Dan, look at the squad. It's, it's all good, mate. It's all good. Look at what the two Norwich fullbacks will get sold for later in the window. If you do have young English players who can get up and attack, Aaron's and Lewis, that will be, you know, the thick end of probably over forty million combined. So you 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 you, you you're saying the right thing. If you can't just get a modern wing back who can defend and attack, you know, like a, like Liverpool do. They don't, yeah, don't just exactly. grow on trees, do they? Yeah, we love Robertson and uh, Trent, but I don't think we're going to get you. Go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a difficult one because say, say we do bring someone in, just because they cost money, it doesn't mean it's going to work and they could flop. They could not understand, you know, the, the process and the DNA of the club and we could get Murray Wallace out or sell Marlon Romeo on for money. It could take you years to find a, a, a suitable replacement. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, fair comment. But, um, let's talk about predictions. I want you, you're so good at what you do, I want you to predict now 1 to 24 in the time. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about who, who we think is going to go up, if you could give me the free, and also what Crikey. honest opinions on where you think we will finish looking at the current situation. Um, I mean, in terms of the promoted teams, I'm going to, so I'm going to give a very boring answer but I just think that the the financial um, the competitive imbalance in the championship because of the financial you know because of those parachute payments every year just makes it so hard for for Mill look I would have thought as much as it pains me to say as an Ipswich fan I would have thought Norwich will be at least in the top four won't they surely um, it's we do this every year it's so hard to see past Norwich and Watford Bournemouth maybe because of the um, because of the new manager um, and then look Brentford can they keep doing it year after year after year um, will they lose Ben Rama and Watkins and Mate, they're a great side I don't know how they haven't gone up there by the way yeah yeah quite but that's the thing we, we you know we were talking about the recruitment way of getting out yeah. the reason Brentford haven't gone up is because their biggest strength is their biggest weakness the ability to produce and sell on players. But what you notice with Brentford, it takes them until October, November every year to get their team going again because they've sold, um, you know, name them, Konza, Mopai, Mepham, uh, Yanaris, Hogan, Gray, all of them for, for small fortunes. But 
you would expect if Brentford can keep the process going there that they would be good. Be interested to know what you think your mate Harris can do at, um, at Cardiff because they are in receipt of year two parachute money <laughs> and had a good old push up to fifth place at the end of the season. And then, do you know, I thought Forrest would finish in the in the playoffs comfortably. And How they, did they not that last day? Ridiculous, yeah. Collapsed at the end, didn't they? <laughs> then, I, do you know, I like the look of Derby as, as well. Derby, providing they don't get a 12-point deduction for... FFP that's been investigated at the moment. If the youngsters Sibley and Lowe and Bird all improve around around Rooney and Rooney can, you know, like be the mentor character and you know sort of push see them all through. There's a there's an argument that a lot. There you go. So I've got about nine teams getting promoted now. <laughs> but there's an argument for a lot of teams to improve. However, we've we've said it during during the show a few times. They can't all improve, as as your your probably your worst former manager Ian Holloway said once. Only one team can win a football match, and I can argue black as white that if Norwich play Watford on the first day, that they both should win. Well, they can't. No, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, look, th- those are kind of my picks for teams I think should do well. But then we'll probably get something ridiculous like Stoke will. You know, Stoke will be on two points per game after, you know, 25 games and be out in front or something ridiculous will happen because, you know, they've underperformed. Or Barnsley under Gerhard Struber, who are a lot of fun, will all of a sudden be in the top top five or something. It's so, so hard to call, Dan. Although I will say, in last year's predictions, I had five of the top six finished in the top six and I had five of the bottom six in the bottom six. Did you really? I did. Not in the correct places. But yeah. I had them in the top six, and it was just. Do you know the two teams that screwed me? Huddersfield. Millwall. Oh God. And Millwall. <laughs> I think I had Millwall eighteenth. Um, right. And well, they finished. Yeah, pretty much. But the nineteenth, well, I think we finished the season before. Yeah. yeah. And they finished. Um, and they finished eighth. So Huddersfield and Millwall were the two that screwed me. So congratulations to Millwall for completely. Messing up my predictions um, last season. Hey, four out of five is not bad at all. I'll probably get one out of five. But I will agree <laughs> on what you've said. I can't see past Norwich and Watford being there or thereabouts. And, and Brentford, for me, um, Derby, the Derbys, the Middlesbroughs, the, I know they've had points deducted, the Sheffield Wednesdays. That's another, sorry, Dan, quickly. Anywhere Neil Warnock is in the championship, out of anywhere can get promoted, by the yeah. way. True. Whoever he's got, doesn't matter. He'll sign Paddy Kenny and Sol Bamba and finish third or something, <laughs> won't he? <laughs> Go get Paddy Kenny and wheel, wheel him out, won't they? But um, yeah, just them, them clubs every year, they set up like an house on fire and then they go, oh, it's going to be their year and then to just go boom. And not, to answer your question on Neil Harris, again, not to be negative because he's a Mill legend. I think, and, and I hope I'm wrong. I do hope I'm wrong as long as it's not a Mill's expense. I think, they, I think that he's peaked there now and I think he's yeah. never had money to spend as a manager. I'm not surprised at what he did. He got results, and I think with him in charge, it was that they had the best away record in the, in the division. You know, he, he is very good at what he does, but I don't know. I think giving him the opportunity to spend money with his previous track record of uh, transfer dealings, I'm not sure he'll get it right. Um, I'm not sure that's really where he wants to be. That sort of, you know, up in Cardiff, that wouldn't determine him leaving the job, but. I don't know. I just got a feeling that, that you know he's peaked under them, and I, I think he could fall away, fall away next year. 
I listen to say, as long as you're not a meal's expense, I'm happy for them to come second as long as we win the league. <laughs> and, um, you know what I mean? I can't, I can't see it. But um, what do you, what do you think, realistically, honestly? Where do you think Mill will finish, and what would you class as a successful season? What should our fan base class, in your opinion, as a successful season? <laughs> well, uh, I can't tell a Millwall fan what to think. Um, that's that's <laughs> never going to happen. And you should um, you should never dampen anybody's expectations. Do you know what I mean? I always think that's un that's unfair. Let us dream. Let us dream. Exactly. Exactly. You know, because I would have said exactly the same thing to Norwich and Sheffield United fans in eighteen nineteen. And, you know, they would come to me at the end and say, oh, you know, bye bye. See you all. We're in the Premier League now. So, look, there's there's a lot of good happening at Millwall. So what you're looking for is arguments that they can improve from eighth. Because, like I say, seventh. Great. That's improvement. But sixth. Wow. You're in the playoffs then. And anything can anything can happen over three games. Bad refereeing decision. Early goal. We get you know, a few of them bad refereeing decisions, aren't I? And you can you can win you can win or lose a playoff, but it doesn't doesn't matter if you're playing uh, Norwich, who are you know probably going to drop a fortune after they've sold one of their players. Anyway, back to Millwall. I think Rowett and Millwall is a really good fit. I think that works well, and I think he'd been meandering in his career a little bit with Derby and Stoke, and I think this is a good fit. Um, it depends on the recruitment. Do they? Now, circle the wagons and say, that's it, done. We're going to have a go this season with this team, with Hutchison, with Cooper, with Bart, with Woods, uh, with Wallace and Parrott, and say, we're going to have a go with this team. We're not selling. If we don't go up, we'll sell two at the end of the season. Do you know what I mean? They can do that. Um, And if they do, and if the pattern of play works as well as it did last season... They have to be better because obviously they finished eighth. Um, so, but they can learn that system a bit more. Is Jed Wallace going to get sixteen goals and ten assists again? That's a. No, I sincerely hope so. <laughs> I'm sure you do because then his value is going to be twenty million, not ten million, isn't it? Um, so, you know, are you relying a lot on one player? Will Troy Parrott score ten, fifteen goals and be a really good loan signing? Will Ryan Woods? play anything like the Ryan Woods at Brentford, who was an outstanding playmaker at Brentford, lost his way at Stoke, obviously. And then you say, will will Marlon Romeo have a good season as to how he can? Will Ben Thompson stay fit and be really good? Will you get 30 games out of Billy Mitchell? There's all these arguments that if these things happen and they all happen together at the same time, make it look like Mill could have a really, really good season. But the question is... What are the odds of all of those things all those factors combining and working right yeah to, for them to go up from eighth to sixth? Or God, when you when you reel them all off, if Jed Wallace improves and they're already tight and Parrot scores some goals, well, you're looking at fourth place, not sixth place. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. you know, you start to get very, very carried away and very excited, but an injury, some bad luck, mm. um, you know, a key sale, um, and you know, you're, you're, you're going from eighth down to 12th quite yeah. quickly, aren't you? So it's, it's very difficult to say. What I will say, though, before you come in, Dan, sorry to yeah. talk over you. Um, Millwall fans need to understand that there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams with parachute payments this season. So effectively, Millwall are already top of the league, finishing eighth. 
Do you know what I mean? In terms yeah. of the financial advantage that those teams have, there is no shame in Millwall finishing anywhere between 8th and 16th. There's no shame in that. There's a lot of teams with uh, what I consider a quite unfair ad advantage um, in the way the money is distributed. So um, where, in, where can they finish? Well, if all goes well, in the playoffs for sure. You know, if lightning in a bottle, even higher. You never know. Um, where, where should they finish? Well, they're doing a great job to already be eighth is what I would say. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because the way you said that, it, it tees out perfectly. I think like we, we spoke in, in detail about can we get promoted? Can, do we make the playoffs? The majority of Mill fans, I say the majority, not everyone, wouldn't want to go up. <laughs> they are, they are, they, because they don't like the Premier League. They know it's sanitised. They're a load of shit. They don't want to go up. I'd like, I would like to go up again for a season or two because, you know, when you look back at the, the only other time it was ever there in the uh, late 80s, and the early 90s. Oh, you know, Sheringham and Cascarino, yeah. Them players, them kits. It's iconic to look back and watch the videos. And I would, obviously, this, this not lie as well as we spoke off air before, it would help it helped my channel a great deal if we got up. <laughs> so uh, it's always all about me. So I'll throw that but one Dan, in. Dan, I always ask this question, right? Is it that bad to be Norwich? Do you know what I mean? No. To, like nine years out of 10, either have Premier League broadcast money or parachute payments, have four promotions, win a lot, go to... I know you guys have been done well in cups and playoffs and yeah. things of that nature to get to Wembley, but, you know, as an Ipswich fan, I've never been to the new the new Wembley, one of a, one of a few teams. Is it that bad to, um, to get up for one season, guarantee that parachute money mm. and be a big championship team that's financially stable? Is that that bad? I, I think as well, we, we, you know, we're looking at it from a money point of view. I just think the, an, as an existence, as a football fan, so we've been to the new Wembley four times, the old Wembley once, Cardiff, the up, going up, the coming down, the going back up, the cut runs. As, as a football fan, stepping away from the money side, it's just the excitement of the existence of being that football fan. I mean, I always look at it and think, I don't know, imagine you was a Newcastle fan for the last 20 years. Right, big club, what have they actually done? they just there or thereabouts. They never do well in cups. You're probably going to tell me they've won a cup now or something like that. But <laughs> it's, it must just be, you know, maybe a bad example. I don't know, think of a championship side that just don't do anything. They're just... Well, Ipswich. Yeah, but at least you've gone down now. It's something to it's... try and get back up. Yeah, and then we stink out League One. But no, seriously, Dan, to your point, I've spoken to Man City fans who can't afford to go to 18 Champions League games and three cup finals a year. And they preferred it when they could get a ticket... And Joe Royal was the manager and they went up and they went down and they had Sean Gota and, you know, they preferred it then. Although you'd never take the Aguero thing away from them. I know what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. That um, it's, it's nice to know that as a Millwall fan, you're a fan of a club that has a real strong identity, uh, a uniqueness, and you punch high, you, you punch your weight. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think this... Thing as well. So we've had three seasons back in the championship now. Three. Yeah, this is going to be our fourth. First season, eighth. And I think it was, if we finished 12th, 15th, and had a good cup run, everyone would be fine with that. But it's because of the fact we nearly got in the first season. Second season, we nearly got relegated. Third season, we nearly got to the playoffs again. I think when you when you get there, you dare to dream and you, you start believing, didn't you? I just think all Millwall fans want is to be established in the championship. And have a decent cut run and a few and a few away days. That's all that you know, the majority of us really want. 
yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's there's no shame in that, and there's no shame in you know hoping to go up those extra two places up into the playoffs or hoping to start you know selling some big money players and to start trying to compete. But you know, it's it's not a bad thing to be stable and not be risking money. And yeah, yeah. okay, you might not disclose your transfer fees or your contract lengths or whatever. But that strikes me as a well-run club that's not taking stupid, dumb risks. That's not afraid to be in League One and get, you know, get back up and finish eighth twice in the first four years. You know, that's not a bad thing. None of those are a bad thing. No. Well, I finished. Sorry, I started this channel, and I did two years in League One. There you go. The championship at the time. Your club. Let's talk about your club, Marip Switch. Now in League One, finished eleventh last season, managed by Paul Lambert, obviously. Took over a sinking ship. It was, it was already pretty much doomed when he uh, when he went down. For the pre- previous um, manager, you were just telling me about. How do you feel about that with the, with the Norwich connection to Paul Lambert? Um, Agent Lambert, I've heard some people call him. Yeah, no, it's, it's just Nor- it's just Norwich fans <laughs> trying Sorry, to trying to banter, isn't it? Um, God, lots lots in that. Um, you know, some argue that he didn't take over a sinking ship and that he still had thirty odd games to go, but um, he certainly managed to spin the narrative that we were already sunk, and you know. Um, was it 30 games to go? Oh, fair enough. I didn't know it was that long. Yeah, well, we played you and it was announced before the game, wasn't it? And he was he was hidden in the in the kitchener with his with his flat cap down and his scarf up so no one could no one could see him. I spotted him, obviously, because I was in the I was in the homestand um, watching from there. Um, yeah, look, it's been it's been very, very bad for a long, long time. Obviously, McCarthy left and the wheels absolutely fell off. And part of that is because McCarthy left. And obviously, a big part of that is because of stupidity after McCarthy left and not being able to cope with, you know, running after he'd gone. Um, I'm not bothered um, that Lambert used to manage Norwich. It was it was 10 years ago. It is what it is. And in some ways, um, it's, it's kind of a fun two fingers up because... Bobby Robson never managed Norwich and Alf Ramsey never managed Norwich, but Norwich's greatest manager of the last 20 years is working for Ipswich. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. there's a kind of weird, look, obviously, would I would I rather have had Norwich's last 10 years of league finishes or Ipswich's? I'd rather have had Norwich's, obviously, in the, the four promotions and the five relegations or whatever they've done. Um, it's It's not been good, Dan. They... They made a right mess of it last year. Um, all the things we were top for a long time. Yeah, because I remember my mate, my mate um, Sammy Spodich. He was on loan at Peterborough. And they beat you four-one at your ground. I remember Alex. that because he scored yeah. a couple. Well, and he was because he went south after that, didn't it? Yeah, he was linked with us at the start of the season and went off to um, went off to Bristol City, didn't he? But um, the thing that bothers me, Dan, is if you finish if you finish fourth. You win more games than you lose. Simple. If you finish fourth bottom, you lose more games than you win. If you finish 11th, you're either kind of, you know, kind of average or you're very erratic. And we were very erratic to the point where our form for a few months was like Champions League. And our form for then a few months after that was bottom of the league. That that just bothers me. I'd rather finish 11th and win a couple draw one, lose one, draw one, lose one. And that's that's a six games for an 11th place team. Not win three of them and lose three of them, but don't concede any goals in the ones you um, win and don't score any goals the one you lose. So 
it's 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 worrying, but you know what it's like, Dan. We had a pre-season friendly. We played really well, and I'm all excited again now. So, and <laughs> <laughs> I say you're right. What you say, I never thought of it from that point of view about Lambert. You could, you know, for uh, the Norwich fans calling him secret agent Lambert, you could say, well, look, look, look what he achieved for you, and that just shows you what the club means to him. Nothing, obviously, if he's come to manage us. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a good little way of looking at it. But he has got the credentials, regardless of in managing whichever club in East Anglia. Um, he has got the credentials to get you out of the division. He's done it with Norwich back-to-back promotions, didn't he? It's just a, a long, long time ago now, is it? And it's, Dan, what is the statute of limitations on credentials? When do they when do they cease to become impressive? Well, I, you know I think I mean? on, a, on a different amount, Jose Mourinho's have run out now. Well, there you go. Exactly. It's well, like yeah, how long... Years ago, he's, he's gone, mate. He is gone as well. But yeah, exactly. And I mean, he was the greatest manager in the world when Inter were doing the, the treble, weren't they? And going yeah. off to Madrid and beating that Pep team. But yeah, d- d- does it matter in 2020? And that that's the thing. We'll we'll find out. You saw three new players yesterday, didn't you? A little look earlier. Yeah, a couple of days ago. Uh, this is the pond we're shopping in now. We signed the Northampton uh, goalkeeper, a 35-year-old from Stoke. Um, and God, who else did we sign? Who was the third? God, I mean, so thick. I'm, I'm in, I'm in Millwall. I'm in Millwall, Millwall so. mode. Well, I tell you what, we'll talk about then. Finally, um, you mentioned him. He managed us both. <laughs> big, big Mick, Big Mick McCarthy. Mick McCarthy. I say that was that was from from a, again from an outsider looking into your world. There was a there was seemed to be a certain thing with fans wanting more. Didn't think McCarthy was enough anymore. Been there too long. Yeah. Deadwood, needed bigger dreams and bigger plans. And I I do laugh when I watch it. I can't lie. That that interview where they go, oh look, like, uh, he goes, what like Ipswich? That works out well for him. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, what I will say is, um, before we talk about Mick, is that people are very guilty, especially in football, of binary thinking, of black and white, and often a lot of things can be true at the same time that don't necessarily conflict with each other. So, what I will say was, is Mick McCarthy a good manager? Of course. Of course he is. Look, he's been a manager for years and years. Got Ipswich up to fifth place. Um, had Mick McCarthy's time run its course at Ipswich? Yes. Yes, it had. It was it was time to be done. Have Ipswich made a lot of stupid decisions since he left? Yes, of course. Did Mick leaving also impact it? Yes, of course. These are all little things in the pot of Ipswich's failure. Do the press love Mick McCarthy? Yes. Does Mick McCarthy know how to play the press like an absolute little fiddle? Yes, he's very charismatic and he's very clever. Um, were Ipswich fans narky with Mick McCarthy? Yes. Was Mick McCarthy narky with Ipswich fans? Yes. Who has got more power in that situation? The Ipswich fans who just look stupid after they've got relegated or this very charismatic former national football manager who literally shows up, does his... I'm a gruff Yorkshireman act. And the press, it's like their wet dream, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of things at play. He did an absolutely brilliant number of protecting his brand and making the Ipswich fans look stupid. Should he have apologised for telling us to F off after we scored at at Norwich? Yeah, of course he should have apologised. Yeah. Should Ipswich fans have, you know, sang Mick McCarthy, your football is S-H-I-T and... He, look, he got some stick that he shouldn't have got, of course. There's a lot of things that were true. Um, and that is Mick. Players love him. The the um, 
The media absolutely love him. Um, will he be back in the championship? Of course. Will he do a good job? I thought he was going to get Bristol City. And if he'd have got Bristol City, I would have been worried if I was a Millwall fan because I'd be like, oh, well, they'll, they'll be coming for, you know, a top seven or seven or eight position um, now. So, look, a lot of stuff happened with Mick. Um, some of it's true. Some of it's not true. It's not black or white. And I was very narked with him at the time because... If you imagine it, if you imagine splitting up with a girl or whatever and she manages to make you sh look stupid in front of all your friends, um, <laughs> you, you, you're going to be a bit knocked. But then over time, you you know, the, the, the time, truth... Time's a healer, mate, isn't it? Time is a healer. He's a good manager. Players love him. The media loves him. He didn't behave impeccably. We didn't behave impeccably. Uh, we've done terribly since he left. Some of that's down to him going, but a lot of it isn't. Just finally, with your rose-tinted glasses on now, as an Ipswich fan, you know, but, you know, as we spoke, we're all um, we're all a little bit biased towards our own team, uh, whether we want to be or not, or say we aren't. We just it's just there, isn't it? Do you think you can go up this year? Do you think you will go up? Um, I mean, by all rights, I'm sitting here whining on about um, competitive imbalance in the championship. By all rights. Ipswich should bully their way out of League One by, do you know what I mean? Not not yeah. being arrogant, but the, the fact is they have higher commercial income. They've got better squad, better players, more experienced manager, bigger fan base, um, you know, other than a Sunderland um, or maybe a Pompey um, in that division. They should do. Um, and I'll say what I said about the parachute teams. If Ipswich operate in a way that isn't cataclysmically stupid and... All Ipswich have to do to get up is be merely competent. That's all they have to do. Yeah, they've they've got done nothing out, they've got the nothing out of the ordinary. They've nothing just got out of the ordinary. Exactly what we were talking about, Bart. Beat the teams you should beat. You know, don't do terribly in the big games and you'll get promoted out of League One if you're Ipswich. But um, like I said, they were massively erratic. So should they? Yes. And that's not me being an arrogant fan of a supposedly larger League One team. Uh, will they? I don't know. Lambert you, don't, you don't know what he was just going to turn up, do you? No. The, the one that was top of the league, you know, for a lot of the season or the one that, you know, lost at home to Fleetwood and Bristol Rovers and Coventry and Oxford and too many times, you know. Mm, that's the thing as a Mill fan, you, you know, and it's good to think of other clubs' positions because you always think of your own club, your own position, your own your own worries and your own, you know, putting your own, you, we all do it, you put your own team down. We, you, you're not sure what Ipswich team's going to turn up we know at Mirwall, they're going to kick bollock and bite and give 100, 100% every time. We know that's all, and that's all we want. And we yep. know that's what we're going to get, regardless of, you know. You know and Dan, teams. that's where it's difficult when you've had Bobby Robson from 1969 through, won the FA Cup, the UEFA Cup, had Alf Ramsey and won the league, and then had the run under Burley and then the Premier League. So the issue is expectation as well at somewhere like... Ipswich, and you know you were saying, okay, Cascarino and Sheringham and the first division there, but your expectations are very realistic about what you want, whereas Ipswich fans were spoilt for a long, long time. For a club of that size to be a European powerhouse, like they year after year in Europe, unbeaten at home in Europe, in, insane. Bobby Robson, yeah. insane. 1981 team, ridiculous. <laughs> Well, listen, mate, I, I genuinely hope that you do get back in, in the championship. But regardless of if you, if you do or not, your channel just goes from strength to strength, mate. Oh, thank you. Can I do I some plugs for it, Dan? 
I was literally going to say, but plug away. It's all yours. Because you've yeah, got, so, got a Patreon page. You've got all sorts going on. So you tell everyone exactly what you want to say. And I'll put all the links oh, to say in the description below. Yeah, so um, first of all, so championship content. So just subscribe. Just type Benjamin Bloom into YouTube and my face will appear. Um, if you have anything to say about my hair, you're probably not wanted um, on the channel. We're, we're talking football over there, Dan, not, not hair and beauty. But no, I just, I just, you can come and subscribe and even have a pop at my hair. There you go. So championship content, match reviews, previews. Hopefully we'll actually get to a game and we'll get down to Millwall. Um, so we, we cover every team in the championship, basically. So well worth subscribing if you're a Millwall fan. And if you want to help a brother out, I don't have a job. I don't have any sponsors. I don't have enough ad revenue. So I've set up a Patreon. There's a $3 tier and a $5 tier. And for the $5 tier, you get some exclusive content. Although lots of lovely people down are happy to just do the $3 tier and just say, oh, I, I would spend that on a coffee anyway. So I want you to succeed. So yeah, that's that's the sales pitch. And hopefully I'll see you, Dan, uh, at the den um, when the doors open, if and when that happens. Yeah, definitely, mate. Let us know we want to come down, and I'll um, I'll get you some tickets. We'll sit together and um, pick pick the bones you, out of it. Do you sit in the dockers? No, I sit where you sit, kitchen. Ah, lovely. Okay, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it up there. Yeah, it's decent, mate. It's a good little ground, and it really does seem that you you really you know you've got it with a club. You understand it, and um, a couple of years if you don't go up, you're welcome to switch sides if you want. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if the if the tickets if the tickets are on the table, I'll be I'll be down there, my friend. But yeah, thank you. And um, without sounding wet or um, pandery, because um, I'm telling the truth, it's been brilliant going to Millwall. Absolutely brilliant, unique club. And I will honestly say, and my missus will vouch for this when she's come with me, the amount of times we get stopped and just working class, down to earth, nice people. Hello, mate. I watch your channel. Shake your hand, on you go. No, no nothing, no sniping, no rubbish. Oh, here comes Billy Big Boots with his YouTube channel or whatever. I must you know. be doing something wrong then, <laughs> <laughs> But no, really, really good people and really, really great club. Legend, mate. I really, honestly, I really, really enjoyed having you on. I'd love to have everyone again. But um, say, so check Ben's um, Patreon out if, if you can donate to that. You check out his. Uh, you got a mini league going on, I think now as well. Subscribe to league, yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about with the fantasy league. I just I just plugged it in and I'm sure some nerd will come in and completely boss it. But yeah, you can go and sign up for the fantasy league as well. Well, mate, you, listen, you know your football, that's for sure. And that's why I say it's a big call for you to come on. I've really enjoyed it. And hopefully my friend will speak again soon. Absolutely. And absolute respect to um, Millwall as a club and the Millwall fans. Brilliant. Well done, mate. Cheers, Ben. Thanks, mate. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 